0: Again, our New Testament reading comes from the gospel according to John. Chapter 13, and I'll be reading the 31st through the 35th verse. Hear ye the word of the Lord. When he was gone, he being Judas, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. amen. I want to talk a little bit about preparing for a journey. Preparing for a journey. Prior proper preparation prevents poor performance. Poor performance promotes pain. Now, I prevented two P's from being in this poem because I perceived they were not proper or pastoral for the pulpit. But if you were to look up 12 P's, you would see what those other two P's are. I am a person that appreciates preparation. I have certain rituals I do before I do certain things. And ritual meaning is something that I do the exact same way almost every time. When I was uh, running track, I got into the blocks the exact same way every time before a 100-meter dash or a 200-meter dash. I knew how many times I jumped up. I knew how many times I bent over to stretch my legs, how many times I walked backwards into into the track block. I had a routine. Uh, When I work out before I do the bench press, I have a routine before I bench press any certain weight. I know exactly where my hands are. I know exactly where I put my thumb on the groove and then close my thumb in so that I have the grip where I want it to be. And then I lift myself up on the bar three times, then lay back down on on the bench press, and then I take it off the rack and I press it. I'm a creature of habit. Every Saturday night before I come down here, there are certain things I make sure I do. I make sure that I put the camera on charge so that I have a full battery to record the sermon. I make sure that my audio recorder is in the camera bag. I make sure that my iPad is charged and connected to the Internet. Why? Because I, when I prepare my sermons, I do them from a website. And this website, once I put it on this website, it shows up on my iPad or my iPhone automatically. So I want to make sure that my iPad is connected so that my notes can get there. I am a person that prefers proper preparation. Not to say that I cannot do certain things from the heart. I've been going to church for quite a long time. I'm pretty sure I've preached enough sermons that I might be able to pull a sermon from in me that I've preached before. There are certain things that just jump out of the text so if I wanted to not prepare, I might be able to get away with it but I would not be satisfied. I respect the pulpit too much not to prepare. When I played sports in school, there were certain things that the coaches did to prepare us for the game. They were getting us ready to, to, to be successful in the contest the preparation, the practice was needed and we practiced to the point that we will be able to do it without the coach being there there comes a time when you should be able to operate based on your preparation without somebody looking over you and, and, and there to tell you what to do over and over again you should pick up the routine very easily. And so, Jesus was preparing over the course of his ministry. He was preparing the disciples for his departure. He was preparing them for a journey. A uh, journey is defined as traveling from one place to another, usually taking a rather long trip, a distance, a course or area traveled that is suitable for traveling. It's a period of travel, but it is also not just about travel and getting from point A to point B in location. Sometimes it's about getting from point A to point B mentally or emotionally. And so it also says another definition for journey is a passage or progress from one stage to another. The disciples at this time were not out front with spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Savior. But Jesus was preparing them here in the gospel, according to John. In chapter 13, he was preparing them for his departure. I'm not going to be here much longer. You're going to have to learn how to operate without me. Uh, The text says, when he had gone out, that's referring to Judas, it's Passover time, and Jesus has finished washing his disciples' feet, and he's also said that somebody here is going to betray me. And then he tells Judas, before we got to the part in your reading, whatever you do, go do it quickly. And then the text says that Satan entered him. Now, something that I found interesting when preparing for this message about Satan entering Judas is that the, 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 it's not about demon possession. That sounds like Satan had possessed him, but what they're really trying to say when you get into the nuances of it is that they, uh, it doesn't mean he entered into him. It actually, a more, a more definite or more literal translation would be he shared a part in. He worked with. It's not referring to demon possession. It's referring into sharing the work that he is doing. See, you don't have to be completely taken over to be a tool of the enemy. Sometimes all the enemy needs to do is influence you. Sometimes all the enemy needs to do is get you off the beaten path just a little bit. When you are aiming for a target, if you're an inch off at the beginning, that inch off multiplies as you go towards the target. Simply being late, Five minutes can turn into a half hour of being late. Just very simply, you don't need to be completely taken over if you allow it just to influence you. We watch and we worry and we pray against the complete takeover, but we don't watch against the delay. We don't watch against the distraction. We don't watch against the misdirection. And that's all you need. You don't need a full-blown possession to get you off the beaten path. A simple, I'll do this later, might be all it needs. A simple, I'll get to this later, I will study later, I will pray later, I will fast later, can get you off the beaten path, because later can turn to never getting done at all. Uh, when the text says in First Peter, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's not just about the lion that roars. Lions hunt in packs. And the lion that roars' job is to get the the animal or the prey off the beaten path. Get them distracted because they run away from the roar into the pack of the rest of the lions. They work together and so you, you have to prepare. In order to prepare properly, you have to remove distractions. Sometimes it takes just a little budge in a different direction, and you'll be completely off track. So when you prepare for a journey, when you prepare to go to the next level, you want to remain focused. You ought not allow certain things to distract you. You ought to be able to pay attention to what's important and spend your time and energy on that, not just in Christ, but in anything that you want to be successful. It requires an amount of focus. If you're not focused, you can't get any better. I remember when I was in high school, uh, in order to uh, be good, or be considered good, and get in the rotation for playing time, you had to go to certain camps. Our football team ran what was called an option offense which meant when they came to the ball, there were multiple plays they could run based on what the defense did. So if the defensive end went one way, we called one play. If it went another way, they called another. And so we went to what was called option camp, and I had a problem growing up. There were so many people that I thought were much more talented athletes than I that didn't seem to have the focus. They came to practice late, left practice early, might have partook in a few things that I didn't take in, in and off of, of, of class. They, they spent some time, but they were good enough to start. They spent a lot of time hanging out, not necessarily practicing, while I carved a path in my, back, my mom's backyard up and down from the, the, the barbecue grill to the back of the door because I was using different exercise stuff because I wanted to be better. And so I decided by the time I went to option camp that maybe I don't need to practice as hard as they do. Maybe I should hang out a little more. Maybe I should do some things. And so one night in the hotel room that we were at for the conference for this, this option camp, I decided I was going to go down to the cool kids' room and play a little dominoes and a little spades and, and, and have some fun and break curfew because everybody else was doing it. And they was playing better than me, so maybe I was a little bit uptight. So I went there, got back in my room about 2 in the morning, got up the next day, went to practice, did my practice, and did as good as I thought I could. And afterwards, the uh, running backs coach said, Simpson, I need to see you. Uh, I saw you broke curfew and you didn't get back to your room until two o'clock in the morning. So what I'm going to do is since you took that time, I'm going to need you to run some extra sprints while everybody else goes for dinner to run. And so I ran those extra sprints and then I went and had my dinner. And then at the end of the camp, they gave us packets with with uh, evaluations in them. And that same coach that had my evaluation, I got some low marks on certain things, and he said in the evaluation, you would be a better player if you took care of the little things first. You cannot allow things to be distracting you. Focus. When you prepare for any journey, when you go from one level to the next, you need to focus. And that focus requires for you to set the proper priorities. If you set the proper priorities, you get good preparation and you'd miss the pain. And so Jesus is preparing his disciples for his journey. There, Jesus is going on a journey to go get all authority and all power in his hands. And he's preparing his disciples for life without him. So, everybody's on a journey, but before this journey starts, he must leave. We are always on some sort of journey, and time doesn't matter. Uh, something that the scholars point out, and I know this is interesting in the text, because he says, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him, and God is glorified in him. God will glorify the Son in and of himself, and will glorify him at once. Time does not matter when it comes to preparation. Here we use, in in, in the text, they go back and forth between past tense and present tense. So it matters not when you think it's supposed to happen. Time is not a part of the equation. You should always be preparing. The past, the present, and the future, you should always be preparing. As they say, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. It's repeated over and over again. Glorified, glorified, will glorify, glorify. So it matters not the time. And if you haven't been preparing, that's okay. You can start preparing now. They say that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. But the second best time to plant a tree is now. It doesn't matter when you start. Just as long as you start. I can't win a race if I stay in the blocks. I can't start a business if I stay in my head. Prepare and start the journey. And then not only does the journey happen in the time, but sometimes the journey doesn't happen in the way you think. Here we have Jesus talking about being glorified and glorifying God. That's not what everybody else says is about to happen to Jesus. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul calls it humiliation in Galatians. Here we have the king of kings and the Lord of lords about to be executed like a common criminal. Mocked and beaten like riffraff. But this mocking and this beating is going to elevate Jesus and us for that matter to a completely different level. So sometimes when you prepare for a journey, you're going to have to do some things you don't have to do or you've never done before. You're going to have to go a little farther than you've ever gone before. You're going to have to speak to some people you may not have spoken to before. It's not when we think and it's not how we think. But in order to prepare for the journey, you will have to do these things. And so we're always on some sort of journey. And we don't necessarily know when, and we don't necessarily know how, and we also don't necessarily know with who. Jesus is preparing his disciples for life without him being around. Something I always find interesting, particularly when I watch certain sporting events, is what happens when the coach gets ejected. When the coach is ejected or suspended or is, is, is removed from the game, how do the players operate? The more disciplined teams will operate without much trouble. The less disciplined teams will fall apart. I've been watching this season, and I was watching the Golden State Warriors, this NBA season, and they've had a record-breaking season, the most, se- most wins by any basketball team in the NBA since they've been keeping track. But the first couple of months, Their head coach, Steve Kerr, was out with back problems. He had multiple surgeries on his back, so he could not be there. But the Golden State Warriors in this record-breaking season almost did better without him being there than, than when he was there because they were disciplined. That didn't stop them. They went on long winning streaks. Why? Because they had prepared. That did not stop them from performing at a high level. They had put in the discipline. They had put in the work rather and they had the discipline to still work hard even though their coach was not around calling the plays. Had there not been a discipline instilled in the players, in the coaching staff and everybody involved in the organization they would not have been able to perform that way. I watch how children act when their parents are not around. How they act in public is how they act or how they've been prepared at home. I heard one comedian say, when you look at children acting a certain way out in public, that's the performance. But they've been rehearsing all that time at home. It's showtime now. They say your true character is revealed when you think no one is watching. What you have been practicing on, and you may not think you're practicing, but you're always practicing even when you're not What you've been practicing on will reveal itself in these type of moments. In times of crisis, you'll revert back to your training. And if not your training, what you naturally do the most. Both adversity and new situations bring out only what was already in you. They say that the difference between those who are good and those who are great is that those who are good practice until they get it right. But those who are great practice until they can't get it wrong. Mm. They are preparing the disciples. He spent all of this time around them healing the sick, raising the dead, opening blinds, opening up blinded eyes, healing the wounds of the afflicted, declaring the acceptable year of the lord he's been doing that for three years and showing them this demon comes out by fasting and praying this is how you do this and now it's their time to go but the separation is temporary uh he says that you will look for me in the text and just as i told him where i go you cannot go but that's temporary because, see, we're in John 13, but John 14 tells us later on he's going to take care of some business, but he'll be back. Because John 13, 14, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and where I go, you know. So he's letting them know I'm going to, get some things, going to get some things taken care of in the meantime, but I'll be back. But while I'm gone, you still need to do some work. So we prepare for this journey. We have to focus. We have to prepare. We don't know how it's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know with whom it's going to happen. Some of the people that I can think of that I was tight with that I thought I would never, ever grow apart from I've grown apart from it's life we all have our own families we all have our own things that we have to do and it's not that we're at odds but just understanding that in this life some things you you do with each other some things you definitely do in community but some things you have to prepare for on your own mama and daddy will not be there all the time to bail you out But it's only temporary from Jesus. And then, not only does that happen, but it says not only that we know who, but the journey does not happen when you want it to happen. Uh, The disciples didn't want Jesus to leave. It's pretty cool getting to roll with somebody who can walk on water. Mm. A celebrity in and of itself. It's nice to be in an entourage. It's nice to be somewhere where you have this VIP status of sorts. Everywhere you go, people are praising the name and know, yeah, you got some haters over there, but everywhere you go, Jesus is doing wonderful things. Well, that is coming to an end. And now that that comes to an end, what have you done with the time you had? I've read stories of eagles training their younglings to fly by pushing them out of the nest. They don't wait for the, the youngling to know when it's time. Sometimes you have to push them out. All right. Sometimes you are forced into situations where you have to grow. But when you are prepared, when you have put more things in you, those forceful situations, they're catalysts for your growth. They're catalysts for taking you to the next stage of your journey. They, they, they knock you to the next level. And so if you're prepared, you can capitalize upon the situation. And so the journey doesn't always happen when you want it to happen. If you wanted everything to go your way, there would be no conflict. There would be no growth. And so the journey does not always happen when you want to happen. And also, sometimes the journey you are preparing for is not your own. Okay. Jesus himself was preparing for a journey. Judas was going on his own journey in the text. The disciples are preparing for the journey, but they're also having to deal with each other. the journey that you'll prepare for, it may get you to the next level. Sometimes it takes those people walking out of your life for you to grow. Sometimes they have to force you to let him or her go. Sometimes there has to be a force put in place for you to let it go. If you don't want to walk away from it, sometimes it'll be taken from you. And then he tells them to love. He gives them a new commandment to love. The love part was not anything new. As far back as Leviticus, people were being told by God to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That part was not new. The new element that comes with this is the, as I have loved you. Yes, we can say we love people. Yes, we can, quote, unquote, say we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. You can give them just as much time and space or whatever you want, but can you love them like Jesus loves you? It's one thing to love people as you love yourself because truth be told, a lot of us are not that good to ourselves to begin with. So if life has been rough on me, it's easy for me to be rough on you. You getting what I got. But do you love the people as Jesus loved you? Jesus was washing the disciples' feet just prior to the part where I read in the text. That is not kingly work. Matter of fact, dealing with the feet during that time was considered almost slave work. And then when, Jesus, when, Jesus, uh, when John, rather, was talking about Jesus said he was unfit to tie his sandals, that's dealing with the feet, that was, that was something not even slaves did. So if a slave wouldn't even tie your shoe up, how much more work was it? How much more humbling of it was yourself to actually wash somebody's feet? And, I mean, we have, in these days, we have manicures and pedicures. We have home foot washing stations. We have uh, different tools that we can take care of. They didn't have all of that. And the primary mode of transportation around that time was walking. So it was even more so to deal with people's feet. Matter of fact, some of these ancient cultures, they still deal with the feet as an insult. A couple of my coworkers were in the Middle East, not too long ago, and they sat in some chairs in the lobby waiting before a meeting, and they sat with their legs crossed so that the, the sole of their shoe was showing. And people were walking by and getting mad, and they had to learn later that showing the soles of your feet to somebody in the Middle East at that time was considered an insult. And so, if that was an insult How much more humbling was it to hear the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker and ruler of everything. The Lord Jesus Christ was able to wash their feet. Are we able to humble ourselves like that? Are we able to humble ourselves like that to reach out to more people in the community? Or are we going to say they need to come out from among them? are we willing to reach out to those that don't know Christ? And then he says to love them as he's loved them. And and, and there's, in English again, there's love, 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 over and over again, but it's not the exact same kind of love. The first couple times where he says it, the command, I give you love one another as I loved you and you love one another. All of those times is agape. Ah, It means to love or be loved, to long, to cling, to show love, it's a deep love, it's the deepest love there is, it's a godly love. But yet there's one difference in this last one where it says, by everyone you will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That one is agapeo, little difference. Uh, the, the, The agapeo is a communal love. It's also love and beloved, and it's used back and forth, but another way that it is used in the text is uh, in Jude, and it's used in the term love feast. It's a communal love where you love one another. Time and time again, my professors have said you cannot be a Christian outside of community. Uh, No one has a feast by themselves. He was telling the disciples that if you love one another that they will know so you have to be able to you have to be able to love your neighbor as Christ has loved you you have to be able to love out in community and not just in these four walls they will know you are my disciples if you love one another the behavior that you exhibit people should be able to tell who you are There are certain things that certain family members do and say, and you're able to identify who's from what family based on certain ways that they behave. I can tell you so-and-so's son, you act just like him. I can tell you so-and-so's daughter, you act just like her. They should be able to tell who you are and whose you are based on your behavior. If they didn't see you walking out to church on Sunday, would they know you are a Christian? Would they know you follow Jesus based on the way you talk to people? Would they know that you love them like Jesus loved them based on what you said to them? Or do we not even speak? If the doors of the church were closed, would the community miss it? Would the community even know if it was a church in this building? Are we exhibiting the love? Now, we most certainly can. We just have to prepare. And we, have to pre- and we prepare about what is in us. All of that pre- preparation, it will come out in those times of trouble. So when I think the, the odds of what I'm going up against is insurmountable, I'll know what's inside of me because I prepared. Because I prepared, I will know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Because I prepared, I will know that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Because I prepared, I'll know that this life is not my own and that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It is not I who lives in me, but the Christ who lives in me. I know because I'll be prepared. Because I'll be prepared when I think that God is separated from me. I will know that I am convinced that neither life nor death, nor things present, nor things to come, nothing will be able to separate me from the God. When I get a little tired because I prepared, I'll know that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint because I prepared. Because I prepared, i know that I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves me. Because I prepared. Because I prepared, that's what's on the inside of be able to come out outside and be able to show the people. Because I prepared. I'll prepare because I know that Jesus loves me. I know that Jesus loves me so much, he died for my sins. I, love, I know that Jesus loved me so much because I prepared that they hung him high. They stretched him wide. He hung his head and then he died. But that's not where the story ends. He rose again with all power in his hand because he prepared. And not only that, he's coming back again. So when he comes back again, we ought to be prepared. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.